back to Simply the Best Podiatry, where we want to pass on simple tips to enhance your best podiatry practice. I'm Jason Agosta, and a bit of an overview of this show, which has been going for now 28 episodes and has been listened to throughout Australia, New Zealand, the USA, the UK, and Europe. Had fantastic feedback while on a break over January. And had amazing feedback from Italian podiatrist Tommaso. Hi, Tommaso in Italy. Thank you so much for your beautiful message. The most popular episodes have been episode 12, Running Technique. Episode 18, Metatarsal Fractures with Sophie Fit. Episode 7, Foot Mechanics with Anya Verena Belling. Episode 20, Practitioner Management with Fiona Allen from Launceston. And episode 19, Fifth Metatarsal Fractures with Mark Blackney, orthopedic surgeon. Thank you so much to all the contributors and hopefully this show has been a platform to gain some tips for your clinical practice. And although we have discussed many lower limb and foot issues, it's time to delve into the use of orthoses in clinical practice. We will come back to clinical issues soon. This will be a series of several episodes, starting with discussing different podiatrists' approach to using orthoses in clinical practice. We will then move on to review the evidence of using orthoses and then follow up discussing preformed orthoses and then casted or scanned custom orthoses. I've been wanting to get this up for quite a while now. It's been a bit of time coming, but we're finally up and running and we start off speaking with Matt Mollica from Windy Hill Podiatry Here in Melbourne, Matt has been a podiatrist for 30 years and is passionate about his work, but also his mentoring of younger podiatrists coming through. Matt is a super keen golfer and also has his own podcast show, The Australian Golf Passport. This is a show about Australian golf courses taking listeners on a tour of every golf course worth considering. These orthoses in clinical practice episodes are sponsored by Genie Orthoses, and I must declare that Genie Orthoses have been my own preformed orthoses developed. More information can be found at the Genie, T H E G E N I E dot A U, the Genie dot A U, and I'll be discussing this along the way as we get on with our series, Orthoses in Clinical Practice. Matt Mollica and I. Start with a brief discussion, as it's been a long time since we linked up. Thanks for listening. The show started, and it was an idea during a... a, I had an idea about doing it. Then it really was um, provoked by giving a lecture. And in the middle of it, I thought, oh, no, this is not a lecture. This is a podcast. I reckon we can give so much more information out. And, And it's just sort of grown and become much more diverse. And there's... The more I, when I think about what we could do with the show, it just is endless. The yeah. topics are endless. And as you mentioned, there's just so many brilliant people out there and we're all doing things. Maybe some some of the stuff we all do is similar and some of the stuff we do is like completely different approaches. And I love hearing about that. Yeah. yeah. And it's after a while you'll look back and you think, geez, I've, I've got to 60 of these and this mm. is a this is a big chapter book and people yes. can go back and flip through it at any time or they they're curious about oh well does what happens if I inject someone for a PNA when they've got an infection is that going to oh yeah I remember <laughs> like so they so that resource is there or they they yeah. they learn that and then apply that later on so yeah, yeah that's, well that's the whole point of it isn't it trying to pass on little uh, little pointers 
So the point of this orthoses series, and it will be a series of probably four, maybe even five episodes, is that I'm really keen to blow this open and get people, um, as I said, use this as a conduit for transferring information and learning and because we never hear the podiatrists speak about orthoses. And I'm not sure why that is. I think it's either because we don't feel like we know enough, we feel confused, we are confronted with our peers and is what I present like good enough? Is it right? And then the other thing is also, uh, is there any evidence for it, Um, which has obviously been really confusing over the years. Remember, this is like very much a show that's directed to clinical practice and passing on best tips to enhance your practice. That's the whole mission. Um, So I think there's several reasons why we don't hear the podiatrists speak about orthoses. But as you and I know, as we have progressed through the decades, it's actually okay to express yourself, but I just know what I do seems to fit a certain style and demographic in my rooms and it's not always right. I'm, you know, I think we get to a point where it's like, yeah, there's no insecure feeling about it. Let's bust this thing open. And the last thing I will say, I think podiatrists are guarded about their high ticket item when they might have all those other factors riding behind it and so they don't talk about it. Absolutely. Agree with all of that. And it's very interesting going online and speaking to lots of physiotherapists, and I asked them recently, I've asked five physiotherapists, give me your first immediate thought of the podiatry fraternity that you're associated with. And every single physiotherapist said this, gave me the same answer. And basically it was resolved around a dispensary service for orthoses. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, absolutely it is. Because we don't talk about it. We don't talk about our um, creativity or our um, knowledge behind, you know, materials maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't actually get that out there. So how would they ever know anything different? From Arter, from Footwork Lab, at the Brisbane National Conference this year, it was the best presentation of the use of orthoses. Wasn't anything clinical. It was just absolutely brilliant. There wasn't many people in the audience, but it was something everyone should have uh, heard. So here we are with our series of four to five episodes to discuss very openly our approach to using orthoses. It should be a really valuable resource, I think. It's it's <laughs> it's it'll be good to get people to speak and yeah. and just <clears throat> rid themselves of whether it's a degree of insecurity or 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 if they're feeling guarded about what they do. Um I agree with all those points that you said as far as hurdles yeah. in front of discussing orthotics. Um I'm not sure where it comes from. Does it come from when we're at university? Oh, we need evidence behind that. It's like you and I both know clinically it is all about the clinical approach and, you know, learning over the years of how to use orthoses clinically. The evidence gets pushed aside. I think there's creativity. I I think that's a big part of it. Mm. I don't reckon it's hard to teach creativity and some people are going to be better at it than others. Um, I'm surprised when I speak to the younger podiatrists, my younger colleagues, about 
how little they know about materials mm. and how little they were exposed to different materials at an undergrad level and maybe they never had a, a flame under them to begin with and so they never felt compelled to pursue that element of practice. But different people that I've spoken with in terms of what I've done to a shoe or how I've modified the top surface of an orthotic or I, I ordered this material for this purpose and they well, hang on, why would you? I've never done that. Or can I see next time you do that? Or it yeah. sort of blows me away a little bit. And I'm a tiny bit sad because I think, oh, geez, there was a there was a generation where they um and I'm not just reminiscing, but there was a generation where that was that was central to what we did as orthotic practice as yeah. as undergraduate students. Yes. Yeah, so no lot. doubt it made us better. There was a lot of hands-on, wasn't there? Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure whether I'd like to hear what how much hands-on goes on at the university. It's not a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. So, but anyway, because that's where it all starts. And, yeah. you know, it, unless you start there, you're not going to learn that creativity or that, you know. I think it starts there, but if you haven't got that push or that starting point, what are you doing in the first few years to build upon it? And then the next few years, and by that time, it's like 10 years of building upon, you know, playing around or modifying things and getting your hands dirty. If that hasn't started... Where are you 10 years later or 15? Not far along. Just scanning a foot? Yeah, asking hoping- for a standard a, a standard prescription. Yeah. Or you've got a regular prescription that you fall back on and mm. hope, that, hope that it achieves something. So I went back in because I was never taught anything about a problem that I was going to see clinically. To circle back to what you said before, yeah. that, that, that may be one of the reasons why some podiatrists don't freely discuss orthotic therapy or they might be a bit guarded or reserved mm. in talking about podiatry-centric topics either openly or to other practitioners because they'll, in the back of their, their mind they'll have this nagging doubt where they doubt the model on which they learned or mm. they now know that, oh, that doesn't stand up to any sort of scientific yeah. examination. and. Mm. There might be some nagging little element of them that thinks, well, this feels like a bit of a house of cards. Yeah, that's it. And I'm I'm not certain that I can just talk about my gut feel or what I do clinically or anecdotal presentations because someone will shoot it down. Yeah, that's like, yeah, I get it. So there's an apprehension because of the lack of understanding. Yeah. Yeah, which starts back then. Yeah, okay. It's an interesting point though, isn't it? Like going back to where it all drives from. If you don't know... How can you have that confidence? So the first session is talking to people like yourself and a, a variation of people who will present how I approach the use of orthosis clinically and what am I using. And I think we'll learn there is quite a variation and there's no right or wrong. That's the message to pass on. There is yeah. no right or wrong. It's what you do which feels right and you know how yours, what your style is in your practice and obviously that would be... Um, dictated by several different variables clinically. But I think it's interesting, like talking about the progression of the use of orthoses, even with the preformed part of using orthoses, how little progression there has been with what's on the market. Like those preformed orthoses we were using 35 years ago are still being used to this day so readily in both podiatrists and physiotherapist practices and the molding is so poor the materials are incredibly poor so i also want to 
you know, move on to the different styles of orthoses, not just the approach of it, and try and pass on, you know, lots of tips. Incredible golfer. Handicap. <laughs> Give me a handicap. Nine. Woo. It's not bad. It's going to be six by the end of this. For an old man with confidence. A... No, I've, I'm doing, I go to Keezer. <clears throat> yeah. Good. And it's, I get that it's totally non functional. There's no free weights and there's no mirrors, and I'm the okay. youngest person there. And you won't hurt yourself. Like a, I'm 10 kilos heavier than when I started six years no, ago. And so I've put good. on, I've put on no fat. My bone density's through the roof, and I can mm. squat and chin and do way more than I ever did. And the flares of back pain are much less, thankfully. Cool. So, so good. Yeah. I am very sympathetic to back pain because I surfed in a contest two weeks ago and did four heats flat out as hard as I could. Results were good. Got second in one, fourth in the other division, but I finished for the first time ever with my back stiffening up and Mm. it just literally squashed me the spasm Mm. and I was crippled for a week. I've just come out of it. It was my first understanding of the central, the centralizing of pain being your focus. Yeah. It's brutal. Insane. It was a next level understanding. Yeah. It was an interesting learning experience. First thing I want to ask you though, because we haven't hooked up for a long time, what fascinates you and is your passion with your work day to day? What is something about podiatry that you can tell me just still lights your fire? The removal of chronic pain that's been a big problem in people's lives that centralization of pain and that yeah. primary focus you described yeah. when someone comes back for a review you've done this you've done that you see progress their symptoms are diminished they're less frequent their life is different just was I, was, I swear I was happier than the patient yeah <laughs> um, okay oh, that's and cool. that's I remember thinking that that would be a part of podiatry when I was a year 12 student yeah and I remember before putting it down as a as a, a subject or sorry, as a course choice, when I was a, a, a HSC student, I went to a session where Anne Marie Keenan spoke to secondary school students who would yeah. think of joint of enrolling in the course, and she alluded to that. And yeah, Anne Marie alluded to the fact that that would be one important facet of practice. Yeah, that you got to experience that and and provide that for patients on on a regular basis in your working life. Mm. And yeah, that, yeah, that appealed cool. from the word go and it's still there. Nailing so, unusual diagnoses is another one. I think we all yeah. sort of get a big buzz of, oh, I found this or I put two and two together and I got this and this this diagnosis had either eluded others or been present for a long time and to get to the bottom of something obscure is always fascinating. Yeah, beautiful. Too. So what you're really saying is passion for people and you're still getting off on the assisting of people and, you know, making things yes. better. Yes. I think that's a big driver, isn't it, as a health practitioner? If you've got that and that drives you into it, but it's obviously the great thing that um, can maintain you. Here we are 30 years later. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so let's move on. Give me a brief overview of your approach or ideology of the use of orthoses in your rooms. I know it's a broad question, but there must be some sort of philosophy that you've developed over 30 years of practice. Yep, definitely. I talk with patients about providing a recipe to try and resolve the issue that has brought them to me in the first place. And any sort of foot support, shoe insert, orthotic 
is simply one ingredient within that recipe. I've focused more as I've got older on pragmatic elements of management, strengthening, stretching, load management, footwear, nutrition, visits with concurrent practitioners for a range of reasons. Uh, And I, I, I suspect that my orthotic prescription habits reflect that. Okay. The, the minority, the minority of what I use would be would be a, an individually manufactured prescription orthotic from a lab. I use them, but I probably skew to your end way more than most. I think the vast so majority of what I do more preformed, more preformed orthoses. Is that absolutely. what you're saying? Yeah, right. absolutely. I would modify those. I'd shorten them, I'd reinforce them, I'd add forefoot padding to them, I'd put a midfoot wedge on them, I'd add a heel lift to them, I'd uh, have a range of them that I'd turn to that have different magnitudes of rear foot inversion force, maximum medial arch apex, different locations of medial arch apex. They tend to be much more flexible and more low profile and probably softer than what a lot of our peers and contemporaries would use. Yeah. I probably modify shoes and have these pour-on or other foam elements that I would shape and adhere within a shoe like I would do a wheel balance to someone's footwear instead of issuing some sort of foot support as well. Yeah, okay. Preformed more than prescription, modifying them readily, and you, you just made a point that uh, one of the reasons is because of the low profile sort of aspect of the the preformed devices and the flexibility. Yeah, what's the reasoning behind that? Is your approach or contributes to your approach just the ease of use, or is there sort of uh, interesting of facts that you know? Mm. Ease of use is a big part. Yeah, I had a number of patients who I can still recall in probably the first three or four years of my life where I'd gone down the path of issuing a prescription orthotic for them. And so a lot of work, a lot of time and cost had gone into it and it just it didn't fit within the shoes that mm. they wanted to wear, needed to wear, preferred to wear, and sometimes in, instead of wrestling with that patient trying to get them to make significant footwear change, I would acquiesce and say, well, I'm going to work with what you would prefer to wear. And that might compromise our outcome to some degree, but I think as a patient, you're going to be happier with this process and you'll have some form of support in place or some sort of mechanical or podiatric intervention in place for a far greater percentage of the week. Yeah, okay. I think you made a really interesting point, though, when you started. You said this is one part of a treatment plan. Yeah. And yeah, that's crucial you- to to realise that, I think, as a younger practitioner. Yeah, well, I, I remember early on in my time, there those those treatment plans didn't have a lot of different items within them. Oh. <laughs> you were relying on a you were relying on a modified root orthotic or an inverted style orthotic, and and the the dilemma was: does this does, does this have a heel post or a full length cover? It wasn't the dilemma about yeah. strengthening or uh, stretching or reduction in running sessions per week or referral to someone. It was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I hope you're doing your toe strengthening right now, as Matt Dillonot's taught us, while your feet are under the chair in an extended position and you're pushing your toes into the ground, Matt. I hope you're doing that while we talk. Got a little foot pro in the hallway at work and we use it from time to time, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what are you actually using? Are you using something that's already manufactured and then modifying it or are there 
devices that are just set up as to what you want and you just issue them as they are? Uh, a bit of both. Yeah. I'd occasionally use a form thotic. Mm. I have a range of different ready-made preformed foot supports that mm. are able to be modified quite quickly and, and readily and reliably and repeatably. Yeah. yeah. So that if that works for someone and they say, oh, look, I want one of these in my golf shoes and I want one in my work boots, uh, you can replicate that. Sure. Do you think that's one of the easy parts of using the the sort of ready-made or preformed orthoses that you can – it's pretty easy to replicate, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I've become more and more cost-sensitive as I've got older as well. I, I often think about oh, yeah. the fee that I would give a patient and think, well, if – what else could they do with that money? And if I'm asking them to change footwear, see the doctor for some medication, go to the physio, have an injection or some massage sessions or get a stretching brace or something along those lines in addition to other sort of orthomechanical therapies, yeah, I, I find more manageable and I, 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 think, I think a lot of the patients I see anyway appreciate that. I think there is so much appreciation for it. I think it's easy for you, but they appreciate it. I mean, some people come in expecting, like, you know, to unload, you know, tons of money on the high-end ticket item. But um, I think, as you said, if it's one part of a treatment plan and you as a practitioner are a little bit cost-sensitive, you know, this is about, again, the passion for people and caring, I think it makes a big difference. I think people are very, very uh, appreciative of it. I think we should say that there are such a range of ready-made or preformed orthoses, as you mentioned, but you really have to be quite objective about the quality, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Mm. And I think you've got to be—I think you've got to ask yourself what you're trying to achieve and what characteristics each of those different products possesses. Mm. Is, is this going to be suited to this person in front of me? Are their needs going to be met by this? Is it compatible with their activities? Because there's, yeah. yeah, there's sufficient variation in them. Yeah. Do you find that many of the preforms are just too moulded? They're too sort of set in stone? Yes. Mm. Yeah. And what about having- the materials? Because some of the materials are like, you know, we, we were using them 35 years ago. It's like, holy shit. Like, you know, materials have changed so rapidly around us in every other domain. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of even even in terms of environmental friendly levels, they've changed. Right. But bulk first step feel uh, size that they occupy within shoes, their material properties and how they relate to their function, mm. how much they'll deform and, and yeah, there's, there's, there's huge variation. Yeah. So yeah. Those, those devices that. Yeah. So you're talking about the, the one from Hamburg, the little yeah. thing Globotech from Hamburg. Yeah. I have become, as you know, I use lots of preformed orthoses. I've become so frustrated with the materials and the contours that I just made sure eventually I had my own. And it was all about minimal bolt, maintaining the flexibility and being able to change that device in any way that I wanted to. It was really, it's really easy to use. So that's where that my idea was born from. Okay. And the whole premise was having support without pressure. What more could we ask for? It's hard to achieve. Like I'm, I'm it's super hard. That's the, that's why I started with that. I want I want support without pressure, knowing that it was so difficult to get that perfect balance, and you can't do it for every single person. But that was the aim and the driving sort of mission behind it. 
So I've said this on this show before about um, the number one question I get from a new grad or, you know, someone who hasn't been, they've been out for a few years is, how come you only see two patients an hour and not three or four? Thinking commercially early on in the piece where what you have mentioned tonight is that you've had a fascination with um, the problems and helping that person. Yeah, and then the other thing, the second thing is uh, talking about you discussing preformed orthoses, and as you know, that's a big part of my rooms. The other comment, the number one comment in that regard is, why are you doing all this? Why would you? Why do you bother doing all this? Why don't you just send it off to someone? That's yeah. They think, and it's going to be easy to do that, having someone organize everything for them who hasn't even seen the patient. And you and I both know the whole prescription thing, it's that confusing about what are you going to prescribe. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining me and kickstarting this orthosis series. I really appreciate your time. And you are a senior practitioner in our industry, and you should be very proud of who you are and what you've created and what you're doing for the younger practitioners. Incredible job, mate. Thanks for coming on. And Thanks, Jason. Pleasure. I'm honoured you asked me, and it's been a pleasure to speak with you. I look forward to listening to, um, to all the other contributors too. Speak soon. Thanks for listening. And that's the first of our Orthoses in Clinical Practice series. Please get in touch if you want to chat and come on the show. This is everybody's show, so get involved. This show does cost to maintain, and Genie Orthoses are sponsoring these Orthoses in Clinical Practice episodes. More details of Genie Orthoses can be found at thegenie.au, which will be on the show notes. You can also follow and support the show through the show notes. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more orthoses in clinical practice episodes. Thanks for listening.